Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Leon Buston is a fully qualified personal trainer and ultra athletic or athlete based in Norwich in the UK. He not only helps his clients achieve their own fitness goals, but he also takes part in ultramarathons. I bet you've never heard of them before. Ultramarathons and huge mental and physical challenges. After the COVID-19 pandemic, Leon decided to run 250 kilometres across Sri Lanka. And if that wasn't good enough, in October 2022, he then ran another 250 kilometres across the Wadi Rum Desert in Jordan. He now shares what he has learned about running in extreme heat and for long periods of time, and how he managed to do it. He thought that uh, was the end of these huge challenges, but back in March he announced that he would be running the length of Great Britain, which is 1,300 kilometres, 800 miles to you and me, in the old money, as they say, in 14 days. You'd struggle to do that in your car, but anyway, he's going to do it in 14 days. And he's doing it for the Reorg Charity, which helps support veterans, military and emergency services, both mentally and physically through fitness. He managed to complete it in 13 days, 15 hours and five minutes on August the 6th of this year. And he joins me on the line. Leon, hi, how are you? I'm very well. What a great intro. I'm surprised you're still alive. I'm surprised you're alive after that. Leon, can I just tell you, I walk from here to my house and I'm exhausted. <laughs> we can, it's we only up the road. How far away your house is? So let's let's just say that it's it's really far. It's at least fifteen hundred meters, probably. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's a, it's a good kilometer and a half. It's good. Uh, Leon, I mean, it takes a lot to do what you're doing, and and that's to the extreme. Most people probably wouldn't be capable of it. When I was a young man, I did run a marathon, and I ran a, I ran a few ten k's and stuff like that. I wouldn't be able to do it now. I'm sixty years of age. I'm not fit enough. I smoke. I'm in probably not in great health. Well, I'm okay, actually. I feel not too bad, but I'm, you know, I'm probably not keeping it up. So what, what <laughs> advice, firstly, would you give to somebody like me who hasn't done anything like that in years? I think the, the biggest piece of advice, which is one of the main reasons I use, it's, it's, it's quite awkward, obviously, coming off the back of a social media conversation. <laughs> um, but one of the things I actually use my social media to champion is, I don't like people feeling they, they have the pressure nowadays to actually commit to something, even like a marathon. You know, I think the statistic is maybe 1% of the, the world's population will actually complete a marathon distance in their whole life. Yeah. And we're now exposed to, you know, I've now fallen into this realm of ultra, extreme ultra, not just putting your shoes on and going out for five, 10 minutes. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people to feel like in order to even just have fun and enjoy it they have to commit to a marathon at the minimum nowadays and my biggest piece of advice is make sure that whatever it is that you decide to do you're doing it for the right reason you're not doing it to impress your friends you're not doing it because you feel the pressure from social media and for some people it might be doing what i've just done you know good luck (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, for others it could literally just be lacing up and going for a walk with friends for 10 20 minutes two or three times a week you know i think it's just a case of make sure that you're doing it for you and whatever your challenge is or whatever your mountain is, you know, as long as you're having fun along the way and you're learning a lot about yourself, then, then have at it. I mean, the 800 miles, I mean, yeah. I'm blown away. You know, the fact, the fact that you did it in 13 days, 15 hours and five minutes. I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out, calculate in my head how many hours, how many miles a day it was, but I'm assuming that meant you were running 
for practically the whole day, obviously stopping for something. Or did you eat on the run? Yes. So mathematically, I work in kilometres over here. So we were averaging between 94 and 100 kilometres a day. So if I always work in marathons because that's a lot easier for people to calculate. So a marathon is 42 kilometres. So we were doing between two and a quarter and two and a half marathons a day. Um, which was kind of wow. scary when I started to mathematically work that out beforehand. Um, but the way it would work, we'd get up around 5, 5 a.m., uh, get some food down, quite light food at that time in the morning. And then I would have like a basic fueling strategy, which would be predominantly water and electrolyte based for the first few hours. Um, and then I would have some carbohydrates mixed in with that liquid because it was a lot easier to get down than chewing while I'm running. And then we would meet my sub team. Um, I say my sub team like it's a huge person. It's just one person in my van um, every 10 to, on average, 10 to 12 kilometers where we would restock my support crew who would be on the bike or running alongside me would just carry the bits and pieces, get some bananas, fruit, uh, whatever I was going to eat, little snacks and bits and pieces. And then normally around 50 to 60 kilometers in, I would sit down for around 45 minutes, which to be honest was the worst part of the day because once you've run 60 kilometers, your body doesn't want to get back up again to do another I was going, I was going to say, you know, yeah, you was, once you stop, you kind of don't want to go again, do you? No. Yeah, it was, um, it was like watching Evolution of Man in, in <laughs> like a five-minute period, going from walking with poles to something. Well, you're not tempted to, to take a detour around the drive-thru of McDonald's every now and again, no? <laughs> yeah, well, we did definitely. We visited a McDonald's. We, it gets, the thing is with Ultra, when you're doing something that big, calories become more important than macronutrients or like what we call pure nutrition. It comes down to essentially trying to get on as much calories as you can. And unfortunately in the nutritional world, that when it comes to calorie density, it's normally from fast foods and high fat foods and not the most favorable of sources sometimes. So I think yeah. in a, by the end of it, on average, I was burning between ten and 12,000 calories a day and managing to consume around four and a half to 5,000 without feeling a little bit sick. So we, I did end up actually losing eight kilos over the, over the 13 and a half days. So there's a wow. new diet for anyone out there if they want it, but it's not, I, yeah, wouldn't, well, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend it as a diet, but however, yeah. I mean, I was going to say that because it is, now, I mean, just to warn people who are going to attempt something like this, it is dangerous. I mean, it's really Very dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. And, yeah, and did you, you consider did you consider that beforehand? Was there people saying to you, "Oh, look, don't do it, Leon"? You know what I mean. Whatever you've done in the past, okay, we'll deal with that. But listen, this is a bit much. You know what I mean? I think, uh, unfortunately, once you've dipped your toe into the ultra world and you've you've come out okay, people naturally start to back you a little bit more and just kind of go, "Yeah, he's just doing his thing," you know. And there's always also as well, there's always someone doing something bigger. You know, a friend of mine has literally just ran the entire width of America, which was 3,000 miles and did wow. it in 50 odd days. So when I first said about it, you know, there has been people who have completed it. So nobody kind of, apart from my wife, who was who, who always cares for my safety more than anyone. Even she, puts, she, well, she just puts up with you, yeah. There's that, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was more concerned about, you know, my, my body afterwards because my training has always been, as well as my career, it's been a a tool for my mental well-being as well as my physical well-being from my teen years. So her worry was, I know what you're like when you've got an injury and you can't train for six weeks. And I, and her biggest concern was, am I going to sustain a life-changing injury? You know, 
But um, mm. yeah, and were you being really watched? I, I I know you have a lot of subscribers on YouTube and a lot of followers on mm-hmm. social media. Were you being watched? Was this all kind of done live on social media? Were you kind of giving them updates every day, or how did that work out? Um, so I had a film crew. They filmed a, a documentary, which I'm going to be releasing next year. Um, I I did a little bit on social media, but to be completely honest, you're on your feet for between. 12, 13, and the longest day was 22 and a half hours. So my lowest consideration was social media coverage. Um, like with YouTube and stuff, I don't really use YouTube that much anymore. It's predominantly Instagram. And I just had the film crew chuck together like a 10-second taster piece each day that I could share. And then every now and again, I would put up a, a photo where I'd share some deeper thoughts. But to be completely honest, I was so exhausted that that was uh, <laughs> it was a I'm looking I, I, I'm, I'm looking at your YouTube channel here okay and I'm just scrolling up and down through it okay so I see different images of you at different stages right not of the particular yeah. run but just different stages over the last few years and I see physically how different you look in each one your weight well I can I can only see your face really and the shoulders up but I can see from your face that your weight fluctuates so much up and down. So I imagine that's from each individual run, you lose a lot of weight, and then you have to work, obviously, on putting that weight back on again. Yeah, sometimes as well, like the, the timeline on YouTube can be quite uh, all over the place. So if you think of the time and maybe 10, 10 or 11 years I've been on social media, I was, I was bodybuilding back in the day, traditional bodybuilding split. So a lot more, you know, your standard muscular aesthetic physique, lower body fat. And then I went into CrossFit and it was a little bit more of a full physique, a little bit bigger. And then I was kind of dipping my toe between the ultra runs and then back into weightlifting. And now well, I've literally just come from a jiu-jitsu session. I do a lot of jiu-jitsu now and then a little bit of conditioning alongside it. So my body mm. kind of just tells the story of the way in which that I'm using it nowadays, um, which is, is something that I actually you know, champion for everyone. I'm like, don't try to change your body to fit an image. Let your body just do you know, follow the way in which you like, you choose to train. And, you know, I look after. And I'm, I'm also looking at the fact that you, when you, when you ran the length of Great Britain, at least you're running on roads and footpaths and it's reasonably flat. And I'm watching you here running through the desert in Sri Lanka and it's pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, and everybody knows what it's like compared to, you know, when you're running on the flat, it's a lot easier, but when you're running through rocks and gravel and mountains and I mean, that must and and the heat you can all I have to do is look at you with your fancy sunglasses on you there. Uh, the heat must have been <laughs> searing. So because if you're going to do a marathon, everybody who does a marathon prays that the weather's going to be reasonably, um, you know, not not warm anyway. Certainly you yeah, want to tell it right. Twenty degrees they want. Yeah, basically, yeah. So I mean, you were running, and I don't know what the temperature there was, but I'm assuming it it was well into the thirties. Yes. Yeah, so the way that they would set it up is you would be off latest. 6.30 a.m. because they wanted you to be able to run in as minimal heat as possible for as long as possible. But it was it was 20, 25 degrees by 8.30 in the morning. And then it was peaking around 38 to 42, I believe. Um, and the long day, you know, the long day we left at 5 a.m. in the morning in the dark with head torches and you were doing 70, 74, 75 kilometers. So you were out for 10 hours, 10 and a half hours. And that was that was a very, very hot day. Um, but you, it, and, and it, does the sand make it more difficult? Though I know you got good gear on you, you got good runners and everything else, but the, I can see the footprints in the sand. Does the sand make it more difficult? Yes, yeah. The sand, the sand just makes it irritating. So you have mm. the way that they talk about it is three grades. Grade one is like a gravel, like a gravel track. Grade two 
is partially soft sand, partially hard hard pack, and then grade three is full dune, like if you were on a beach. Yeah, and, uh, that's really hard to run in, yeah. That's really hard. You have to run you have to run a different way. So normally we would say to run towards the midfoot contact when you put your foot down to get that spring um, out of each step. But when you were running on sand, you would have to try and run with a flat foot. And what I actually did, I didn't tell any of the athletes this, so anyone who's going to do it, you've got an insight. I would, um, I would find someone from the top two or three who were in front of me who had a similar gait to me, and I would actually run in their footprints. Okay, <laughs> look at you, you cheese. They packed the sand down, so I would run in their footprints. So I wouldn't think uh-huh. so much. So and, and, hopefully, and hopefully their leg length was the same, so the stride would exactly be the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and is there well. ever a moment, I mean, you talked about getting up when you did the, the length of Britain, right? So you get up in the hotel in the morning. Was there ever a morning where you said, oh, fuck this, I just, oh, no, can't do it anymore, yeah. can't do it. Was there? Yeah, there's, I've, I've openly said that this challenge was, there was a period of time in the middle, four or five days, where if it had been if it had been fourteen days, I would be essentially reading the tick. I would be ticking every box for clinical depression in my mind, from being a GP referral specialist back in the day, where I was looking after different clients who were struggling in 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 those clinical ways. I I didn't have any change of mood. I didn't smile. I didn't laugh. I didn't have fun. I didn't have a positive thought nothing changed in a positive sense for around four days where it was just pure exhaustion, hallucinations, just so much pain that and you, for some reason, you know, it was, a, it was lucky that I had the right charity, but we would, we just kept moving forward and it became this robotic death march for three or four days mm-hmm. where every single day I didn't want to get up. And then to be honest, you know, after the first day, nobody, Nobody wants to get up and run 100 kilometers every day. Nobody wants to go to bed with that level of anxiety of having to run 100 kilometers the next day. And, you know, anyone out there who tells you any different, in my opinion, is probably lying. Yeah, <laughs> well, I suppose, day, I suppose from your day. point of view, success was your aim then at that stage. I suppose when you're halfway through it, you kind of think in for a penny, in for a pound. I don't want to fail at this stage. Yeah, it kind of gets to a point where once we got into England, and we were four, five hundred kilometers in. I know we still had, you know, another seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty kilometers to go. But it sounds it sounds quite strange. But once you're that far in, it feels like, well, you might as well just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the point of no return. Point. Yeah, yeah I'm at the point. It's like, well, find out how far you can go. And and for me, it wasn't it wasn't about completing it. It was about finding my edge. And I wanted to find how far I could possibly go. Um, and find my point and you know in in some ways we found it in, in in terms of my overall physical capabilities we didn't find it but trust me I won't be going any further to find that <laughs> well but that was say here's the thing I was going to say to you so you finished that one right and yeah. you know you, I'm sure the wife and everybody was concerned about you concerned about your health you get yourself back to good health again two or three weeks later you've recovered um, well yeah. I don't know how long it takes to recover from these things but I imagine two or three weeks in you're probably recovering well from a bit of weight back on you did you then say, what's the next one? What's the next big challenge? And it's got to be more than 800 miles. Is no, that what you were thinking? No, definitely not. Um, for me, my last two years or two and a half years now from the start when I first did a 50K and then did the two 250s last year, everything that I have done training-wise has been structured. So 
I am obviously a qualified coach, but I bring in a team to look after me because I think the power of a coach is not just in terms of the physical preparation, the periodization. It's actually having someone to bounce ideas off. And also as well, I know myself, I can get around myself. So coaching myself would have been a terrible idea. Um, mm. But I got to the end of this one and I, I'm actually right now, I'm, I'm about to go over to Munich and run a Munich marathon next week, which is uh, for, for a different sponsor. So that will be my first actual run proper run since but I've not structured anything I've just been going into the gym lifting weights enjoying the freedom of lifting weights doing six or seven hours of jiu-jitsu with classes a week yeah well a marathon a standard marathon is nothing to you I mean to, to do you know 26 miles that's gonna be not that's a that's a walk in the park to you I, well I hope so you know this is where the the um the humbling begins again you know I've ran three or four times since um since since I've recovered and I think the most of, most time on foot I've spent is about an hour and 20 minutes. So the marathon will be hard. You know, the thing that's, that's really unforgiving with any form of fitness or conditioning, as soon as you start to ease off the gas, things get hard real quick. So I still think the marathon will be a very hard distance, you know, to anyone, whether I've run, I'm running every single day or I've run, not run for six months. The marathon is still a bloody long time. Yeah. <laughs> but but you have no but, but you've no plans in the future to do something bigger than you've already done, no? Right now like, like across no America. Go, no, there's no plans to go further. I, I for me the this kind of running has always been exploratory and I must admit doing doing this one for fourteen days, it wasn't just fourteen days, it was six months of preparation. It was it was hell. Three weeks in total with the event. And then another week and a half when I got back of being quite useless. I've got a four-year-old daughter as well. Um, my son is on the way uh, due in November. And Congratulations. Me, thank you very much. For me, the balance of everything is really quite important in my household. And these indulgences are very selfish. You know, I'm not getting, I'm not getting paid to do these events. It costs, I think in total, it's cost me around £25,000 to, to actually build this whole event and, and did you not together. did you not i know you did them for charity as well uh, but course, did you not yeah. did you not get a sponsor or to, to cover your no case? all of none of my sponsors helped financially um that's a whole separate subject <laughs> but okay well they me, were just providing you with with drinks and stuff like that was it yeah so you you kind of get help in different ways um so for me like they're never going to be big events. That it's not my career, and and when it's not your career and it's not massively benefiting your household or you're not able to bring your family along, I just don't think it's fair to put them through that and be that distant for that period of time. So the thought of me doing one across America, it just doesn't compute. The thought of tripling that amount of time away from family. Don't get me wrong; yeah. it's an exciting prospect. I would love to do something like that, but um, my my balance of life is uh, a lot more important than um, my my ego, I guess. <laughs> it's probably the well, easiest I mean, way. Well, I mean, nowadays people are doing stuff like that, for example. And what they're doing is they're, you know, they're making money out of it by, I suppose, pay-per-view online or people are subscribing to them or donating of to course. them. You know, and, and people are, I mean, I've spoken to people who've done similar stuff to you, not obviously not quite as intense as that. Um, you know, but road tripping, say, for example, across America, I had a couple on there a while ago, they were road tripping around the world. And these two are on Instagram and they're making a fortune. Yeah, there, it's, definitely an, it's definitely an opportunity. Um, for me, obviously, the documentary will be an opportunity to, to push it financially next year. But 
the thing is, is that's that's one direction, and with with the pressure of trying to make money at the same time as doing something like that, I can only imagine the amount of stress. And some of the ultra athletes I've spoken to who have done similar endeavors, and then they're absolutely exhausted, hanging, and they've got to run 50 miles whilst running with a can hanging out of their their hand, trying to get a sponsorship deal completed at the same time. And for me, that's just Oh, it's, it, there's enough to worry about rather as much as trying to keep sponsors happy. Because I know, I know how it works. You have to get content and you have to create certain bits and pieces. And yeah, if it is I'm, I'm looking at some of the texts, by the way, people, people are texting in, you know, and they're, somebody's Terry answers not. I'm out of breath just listening to him. I ate a Mars bar halfway through my marathon in 1982. Absolute legend. Yeah, she said, why does Leon do that? Uh, why did Leon do these uh, runs? Fair dues to him, but why? Well, I, I suppose it's just to see if you can do it, I suppose. That's really why, isn't it? I think, to challenge yourself. I think the, yeah, I think the, the simplest answer is that I will be, it would be a very long story to go into it too much, to be honest, but I will say that there was deeper reasons for me. I was also quite fearful of... Um, not you know no disrespect to anyone but i felt like once i I first kind of became a father and really fell into my father role i felt like a a spark for competition and pushing myself really just died and i really felt uncomfortable about it and um for me i always used you know i've always been a competitor used to box used to play football used to do all those sort of things and you, you kind of get a little bit of a spark and then i stopped and i i just got curious you know covid and all that sort of stuff. We got stuck at home for a long period of time and I came out feeling quite numb and was like, mm. I don't know if I can go dark anymore. <laughs> Not that yeah. it matters to anyone else. And I just yeah. wanted to find out if I still had a spark to kind of push and really dig deep. And that's, that was what it, that's where it all started. So did the 50, then did the 250s and really enjoyed, you know, the, the, the breakdown and rebuild of it both mentally and physically. And um, like I say, the exploration, you know, what a, what a great way to run around a country, you know, running around yeah. Sri Lanka was beautiful. And then now, you know, I'll never want to see the A9 again. No disrespect to anyone up in Scotland, but that was horrific. But it was nice to, nice to see some of it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the multi-award winning Niall Boylan show.